0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: I think some guys out there honestly think that girls don't fart. In public, if you accidentally let one rip, people are going to be much more lenient if you're a boy. (laughs) In society, guys are just expected to be more like crackhead funny, but girls have to be more serious Mm. and polished. No one is policing their behavior, I guess, the way they police girls' behavior. Everybody farts. Mm Yep, we know this, even JLo, the queen, your mum. It's something we all do numerous times a day, except for me. Because I don't fart.
2: No way. I have a little brother and it's always like okay for him to fart. But whenever, you know, I do it, everyone's like, "Mm,
3: that's a bit weird. Farts are funny for guys, for girls, it's not very ladylike.
1: Okay, I'll admit it. Sometimes even I fart. And even though we all crack a turd whistle once in a while, it doesn't mean we're not ashamed of the noises and smells that do erupt from our bums, especially if it happens in public. And according to research, women hold that shame more deeply and are judged more harshly for their eruptions than men. A study from Indiana University called, get this, Fecal Matters, looked at the shame differences between women and men when it came to farting. The researchers found that heterosexual men of all groups cared the least when it came to letting one rip publicly. Even though we know that our bodies work in much the same way as male bodies do, we poo, we wee, we perspire, we snore, a female body remains a thing to use, groom, to own and look at. It is not something that's meant to be tainted with real human-type behaviours. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we need to talk about our fear of farting.
3: Out came, out of nowhere, this fart. And it was loud, very loud.
1: Meet Rachel. Like a scent that won't quite clear the room, Rachel carries the lingering shame of a long-ago surprise fart.
3: My husband and I had been invited to a dinner um, with new families who had just started at the school. So it was quite intimate. And we were all gathered around the kitchen area. But I, for some reason, was right in the middle. And as we were talking, it was quite quiet. And it was just... Very sudden and like a big gush of wind, I died, I died and there was no hiding, it was me and I just froze, couldn't believe it was happening Um, and basically I just thought how am I going to get past this and literally we sort of just shuffled over it and it's never been spoken about again.
4: Every single person on this planet farts. Meet our fearless farting
1: super sleuth.
4: My name's Claire Collins. I'm a professor of nutrition and dietetics at the University of Newcastle, and I reckon I know just about everything there is to
1: know about farting. Claire's here to help us disperse the cloud of shame around women and farting. I think, you
4: know, it may be that women we feel more guilty not everybody, but we may feel more guilty if we're letting rip, whereas, you know, if you bloke, you probably get a high five
1: all around. Claire, what happens when you hold in a fart?
4: Well, you've pretty, got pretty good bum muscles if you can hold in a fart in the first place. <laughs> but if you do manage to hold it in, well, some of that gas will be reabsorbed through your colon wall and eventually get expelled through your lungs. So you can hold it in at one end, but it's making its way out sooner or later on your breath.
1: On your breath. And does it still smell the same when it comes out via your lungs? It will
4: smell the same, but what's interesting is that most people Bowel gases, most farts actually don't smell. And people think all farts smell, and I think it's because you can only smell the smelly ones, if that makes sense. Mm. So only about
1: 1% of bowel gases actually have a smell in healthy people. Because I find if I try and hold in a fart... It just seems to come back eventually, like ten minutes. You yeah, might dribble out, you mean, or, or <laughs> explode out. <laughs> no, it's more like it just lurks. It's like, all right, well, you shut the door, but I'm going to just stand here by the door and wait for you to open it. Do you want
4: to guess which gas has got the biggest smell?
1: Um, it'd have to be sulphur because yeah, 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 yeah it smells exactly. like farts.
4: Yeah, that's right. Well, it's rotten egg gas. Sulfur comes from two sources. It comes from a lot of vegetables in the Brassica family. So, you know, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower. But the other place you get sulfur that ends up in your colon is actually if you have a really high protein diet. And if you eat too much, your whole digestive system can get overwhelmed. And some of those sulphur-containing amino acids can end up in your colon.
1: How much gas or farting is normal
4: in a day? It turns out it's actually really hard to get people to volunteer to have their farts measured. And, you know, <laughs> you've got to get a really airtight seal. So I found one experiment where to make sure they had the airtight seal, they put in the catheter and then they, you know, put a little balloon ring around it so it's really tight against the rectal wall. They found that the average was about 360 mils of gas, which is about like a big balloon. Yeah. You know, if you think of a party balloon. But they found that it varied up to like one and a half litres. So some people are really big gas producers.
1: Do women and men fart the same amount?
4: There's so much interperson variability. It's not a hard line based on sex. There's so much diversity and these studies are so small. Like maybe you recruit people into these studies who are super, super interested yeah. in, in farts or worried about all, oh, you know, maybe I produce too much gas. So it's hard to say, but in general, there's, there's actually no difference in the number of flatus episodes. Flatus
1: episodes. How was your day, honey? Well, I had quite a few flatus episodes. <laughs> My favourite episode of Heartbreak High so far has been the flatus episode. <laughs>
5: When I was heavily pregnant with my first child, I flew from Melbourne to Sydney and was sitting next to my husband. Meet Kate. We were down the back of the plane, um, not too far away from the toilet area, and I did a very silent but very deadly fart, let one slip, and everyone started to move their heads around, looking towards the uh, the aisles, the toilets. My husband looked at me and I just gave him that knowing, don't worry, it was me, look. And then the next thing we knew is that a couple of flight attendants were walking down the aisles with uh, a spray can in each hand, so about four spray cans of uh, air freshener, spraying the whole toilet area, thinking that it came from there. It was wretched enough that nine years later my husband still brings it up about how disgusting and revolting it was, very rich
1: Do you remember Rachel, the woman who was suffocated with the shame of fighting in front of the parent friends? Well, she's got another story that hangs around like a bad smell.
3: We were at this nightclub one night and everyone's dancing and I had let out this very silent, uh, deadly, smelly fart. Like, it was quite disgusting and very slowly as people smelt it they just left the dance floor and there was just no one there and as people were leaving the shaggy song came on it wasn't me and my friends were just literally dying on the floor with laughter no support
1: kirsten bell is a professor of social anthropology at the university of roehampton in the uk The universal reaction to that ripe odour of farts is what initially drew Kirsten to study them. Like every single person fleeing Rachel's fart on that dance floor, you can try to run, but some of those manky mustard-coloured molecules have already entered your lungs.
6: You could say that odors are the the ultimate transgressive boundary crossing. You can't protect yourself from the invasion in the way that you can. Like if you see feces, you can sidestep it. If you have a hair in your soup, you might find it disgusting, but you can ask the waiter for, for another. But with an odor, especially one emanating from someone else's body, there is this sense that this idea that you have of the impermeability of your body, your body's boundaries, is kind of Shaken momentarily because your body has been invaded. On this podcast, we
1: really do try and destigmatize things that hold women back. And I think farting is definitely one of them, right? Like, yes,
5: if we're not yeah, allowed yeah. to
1: fart as much as our male colleagues, that seems very mm. unfair. But the stigma exists not because of the loud honking, tooting noise so much as the fact that it smells like your butt.
6: So Benjamin Franklin, former US president, once said, if not for the offensive odour of farting, we would be under no more compunction about farting in public than blowing our noses. Smell undermines boundaries between bodies. That that means that we have such a strong reaction to farts.
1: Kirsten's writing a book about body odour and farts called, you'll never guess, okay, it's called Silent But Deadly. And as part of her fart research, she grills her slightly shocked first-year students about their attitudes to farting.
6: One of the questions I do ask them is, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, who farted first? And of course, most of the time you find that it was the male farts before the female. And I've been asking that question for a long time and the responses haven't really changed, even though you could argue that gender norms have shifted pretty radically. I do think we do still see this very strongly gendered dimension to farting that manifests in a variety of different ways. So can you talk us through some of those ways? I spent thousands of hours on YouTube delving into fart videos and so of course they're always they're always male right we don't have any you know women fart pranksters on YouTube and I think that that speaks to the very different meanings that farts hold for men and women yeah I mean even with Whoopi Goldberg so she took her name from a Whoopi cushion right
1: yep we had to google it too Whoopi's real name is
6: Karen Karen of all names She jokes constantly about farting, but in an episode of The View... She seemed to fart on air. And so she made a joke about that. And then I think, based on the blowback, ah,
1: blowback,
6: ah, she then basically had to declare that it wasn't a real fart. It was just a joke and that she would never fart on air. And so, again, you know, this very elaborate response that women tend to have to make in those contexts where, if they have farted in public, those gender differences really come into play.
0: Mm.
1: What's your theory about why it is less? shameful for men to fart than for women to fart?
6: We could absolutely say in like a Euro-American Australian context, that's definitely the case. I think there are potentially a couple of things going on. And so one is conceptions of femininity, right? We have this traditional conception of femininity, which is very much about this pure, pristine, smooth, hairless, odourless body and so therefore, farting, and not just farting but other things as well, other kinds of odors, etc, jeopardize that version of femininity. My mum's culture is Japanese. it certainly applies there as
1: well. You don't see a woman farting.
6: No, and I always think of Japan with uh, obviously you know very famously with public toilets and often having piped music. Mm. And so this need to disguise natural bodily um, sounds. In that context, farting, you know, shitting, etc.
1: Yeah, you can press a button to make the sound of a toilet flushing in case a fart
6: escapes. (laughs) Right, right, yes, that's right. And of course, you know, my technique is just the cough, the uh, (laughs) you know, the, the loud coughing in the public toilet to disguise any any sounds emanating.
1: We haven't always been so ashamed of farting in public, though. Hundreds of years ago, before we became civilized,
6: it was totally cool to let one rip. In the 12th century, things that were completely fine, like spitting and farting and maybe defecating or even shagging in public, by the 19th century had become things that in effect we pretended that we didn't do. So this threshold of repugnance around any natural attributes of our body, any natural function. So suddenly by the 19th century, you've got water closets that are hidden away from view, attempts to try and disguise as much as possible to reject the biological necessity of the body. Burping becomes a problem. Chewing loudly becomes a problem. And no surprises, farts were next on the hit list. You have this growing contempt and distaste for the natural body based on this idea of being civilised. Our natural bodily functions became shameful and embarrassing to us in a way that they hadn't been previously.
5: A few years ago, when I
6: dated this guy, we went out for Italian. And needless to say, I overate.
3: So later that night, when we were in bed, I was drifting off to sleep. My body was slowly relaxing and I let out a very loud fart. I froze instantly, thinking, oh, I hope he didn't hear that. Couldn't hear anything in the room. So I thought, I'm in the clear, went to sleep. In the morning, when he woke up, he rolled over and said, oh, I had the funniest dream I had a dream that you did the biggest fart so needless to say he did hear it and he ended up ghosting me a few months later because we were very early on in our relationship and that's the last thing I wanted that boyfriend to
2: hear 26% of people
1: said that they wouldn't fart in front of someone they're in a relationship with This is Eileen Barrett, better known as the Tinder Translator on Instagram. Eileen surveyed her mostly female followers about whether they felt comfortable farting in front of a romantic partner.
2: One woman said that she was actually worried about farting in front of her partner while she was giving birth. Of all the things you need to be worrying about when a
1: human is coming out of your vagina. Where does the messaging come from that women shouldn't fart in front of their partners?
2: Women's bodies are in so many ways kind of constrained by what is acceptable to society which is obviously a patriarchal society a sexist one it's very strange it's kind of a weird way that we're put on a pedestal but that pedestal's like a cage <laughs> it should just be funny and normal and we all just go about our lives but it's become this you know this pressure i think for a lot of women
1: one of your um, Instagram respondents had a story about how her toddler was policed. It was her
2: partner, her male partner, who basically told a little girl that, like, this was not what, ladies don't do this.
1: What else did women tell you about why they were uncomfortable fighting in front of their partners?
2: There was one woman who said that she still had a lot of anxiety around any kind of bodily function in public, or like people hearing any kind of or smelling anything, and that her mum used to, you know, shut the door and put the taps on when she had a poo in the house. Right. Um, you know, and I asked her, you know, was, was that the same with everyone in your family? And that she was like, no, no, my my dad and my brothers did not care. You know, it was so she was that was kind of a learned behaviour for her that like women need to not
1: do this in front of anyone. That it's kind of like a secret thing. Why do you think there's so much shame attached to farting?
2: I think that it's, you know, loud and it sometimes smells and... We are not supposed to be loud or smell of anything that's not pleasant. There's something about a fart that sort of takes up space in a way that women aren't supposed to. Mm. I'm actually thinking it's a very feminist thing to do, to fart in a room (laughs) with men probably. Um, Just be like, I'm here. (laughs) You can't get away from me now, fellas. Aileen, do you feel comfortable farting in front of your partner? I couldn't be with someone I didn't feel comfortable farting in front of. I mean, the other day, I I just did a really loud fart, like r- I'd super loud. You know that they're hilarious when you do, you know, really like a kind of rasping. Um, luckily, we we're outside, so it was okay. I said, I was, I, I said, to him, I actually was like, I announced it. I was like, I'm about to do a really big fart. I can just tell, and then it was humongously big, and it just, and we just both laughed, and then that was it
1: because yeah. it's just a normal thing, you know. <laughs> Imagine you're getting ready for a date and you were starving after work. You grabbed the first thing from the fridge and it brought on a massive bout of gas. I asked Professor Claire Collins if there's anything that can be done. If this
4: happens on a regular basis, I don't don't know how prepared you might be, but did you know that you could actually wear charcoal-lined undies? What? Or, um, well, you probably don't know this, but... Aeroplane seats apparently have charcoal lining in the cushions because that neutralises the smell of the farts. Well, like (laughs) they must do that because imagine what it would be like by the time you get off on an international flight. I know because it doesn't flying make you fart more? It does because the pressure in the cabin lowers and that actually means that the gas, it's easier for it to escape. Can you reduce the amount of gas you have in your body? Well, I think you certainly can, but the question is should you reduce the gas in your body? Mm. And because the gas isn't totally inert. So some of these gasses are working on healthy things for your gut. But if every fart is just, well, got to clear the room, <laughs> then you then you could have a look at, well, how much protein do you need? You could cut back on your brassica family. So, you know, go slow on the cabbage, the cauliflower, the Brussels sprouts, Mm -hmm. and see if it's having a difference. You could go on a low-fibre diet, but again, you know, like why would you want to do that? Because then you increase your life. First of all, you increase your risk of constipation, but you then increase your risk of things like colon cancer.
1: My producer has noticed that she got gassier after she had kids and also can't fart silently anymore. And you know how you can sort of calibrate the way the fart comes out to make it quiet or loud? Yes. She can't yes. do it quietly anymore. So is that a thing or is she imagining it? No, she's not imagining it. And it
4: that's actually there in the literature that after childbirth, because of the actual pressure on your on your anus that it can actually change the muscles so you can't get as tight a seal so you know but it's the muscle around your anus is a, it's called a sphincter it's a ring mm-hmm.
1: muscle so you can exercise that are there certain medical conditions or medications that increase the amount of farts you do that make you a fartier person
4: there's a lot more recognition of the group of gut medical conditions called both irritable bowel syndrome and inflammatory bowel syndrome. Often those conditions are also associated with bloating and distension in the higher part of, of the bowel. Now, people with any medical condition that affects their gut, so things like cystic fibrosis, celiac disease, Crohn's disease, alterative colitis... All of those things can be associated with some malabsorption of food. So any of those conditions, yes, can definitely increase smelliness, frequency and volume. And don't leave that to chance to get sorted out. Go and speak to your uh, GP.
1: Claire, you're a professor of nutrition and dietetics. You know more about farts than pretty much anyone I've ever met. When it comes to you and your body, do you apologise? Do you try and go to a private place? Like, do you have a personal philosophy when it comes to farting?
4: Well, since I've been investigating this highly important topic, <laughs> I'm much more inclined. I'm much more inclined to let it go. And I can tell you, I do have a really high fibre intake. So I don't know what my <laughs> gas volume is, but I reckon I could easily fill a big balloon every I day. I could. <laughs> It's helped me feel less stressed or embarrassed about farting and just to laugh it off. And I think if you can produce big, loud ones, you know, like that's a sign of, of a healthy gut. We should be puffing at our chests and <laughs> wear it as a, a badge of honour, you know, rather than a seal of shame. We've got to drop the shame, boost our self-esteem and just let it rip.
1: Ah, oh, I feel so relieved after letting that out. This podcast was produced on the lands of the Gundungurra Bidjigal and Gadigal peoples. Ladies, We Need to Talk is mixed by Anne-Marie de Betancourt. It's produced by Tamar Cranswick. Additional production from Kelly Ng and Imung Hu, who bravely went and asked strangers about their farting habits. Supervising producer is Alex Lollback and our executive producer is Kyla Slaven. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. I've got a couple of pretty awesome women here with me in the ladies' studio. They're the hosts of Bang On, Zanro, and Miff Warhurst. Welcome. Aye. So, this episode has been about farting. And, Zan, I hear you've got lived experience with fart shame. Can you please share?
0: <laughs> but it's not what you think, Yumi. This is a totally weird thing. I never thought I'd be in a relationship where this happened. <laughs> My boyfriend does not fart in front of me, it took him years. How does he hold- to pop one out it's unhealthy yeah. it is absolutely unhealthy and i remember i distinctly remember the first time i heard him fart and i didn't even hear him fart i just heard him react to the fact that he'd farted in front of me and he was like oh! Caught him out. But he still doesn't. We've been together for 12 years and he just doesn't fart in front of me. What is wrong with him? And do you fart in front of him if you don't Uh, mind me asking? Of
6: course I do. I let it rip. (laughs) All the time. It's natural. I had a partner once that didn't do it for six months and I just gave up. I've had enough of this. (laughs) A break upable offense I can't do it anymore.
0: (laughs) It's got to go somewhere,
1: right? (laughs) I don't know. There's farts and then there's farts. Some farts you should just be kept in private, I reckon. (laughs) Mm.
0: It needs to be a farting room. Like there's a panic room in every house. It needs to be a farting room. <laughs> That's the toilet set. Don't <laughs> so you have one of those? Oh, so,
1: yeah. you, you two host one of my favorite podcasts. It's about pop culture and what's gone down recently. Like you keep refreshing this show. It's especially useful if you're really busy, but you want to kind of keep up with pop culture. It's like a one-stop shop for all the conversations
6: that you need to be across. We we go to all places, high and low, and um, very happy about that actually because it incorporates all our interests.
0: Yeah, and we kind of want to take that off your mental to-do list. If you feel mm. as though you just can't be bothered googling all of that, then mm. let us break it down um, and and have just a fun hangout with your mates. Yeah. So
1: if you mates say have you have you read this book, you can go go. No, but I heard Miff and Zan talking
0: about it. We'll so give I- you opinions to share, basically, Yumi. That's our job. Yeah. So,
6: <laughs> basically,
0: if your hobbies
1: include consuming pop culture, wearing groovy fashion, um, and of course, loving your mates and having conversations with them, join Zanro and Miff Warhurst for bang on. Yeah, it's what we're banging on about every week. Ladies, I have some news. This is the last episode of Ladies We Need To Talk for the season. And I know it's going to seem like a bit of time away from the microphones, but seriously, a lot of people who tell me that they are massive fans of Ladies We Need To Talk haven't actually listened to every episode. So homework for you. Go back, have a thorough revisit and listen to all the eps you've missed. And of course, your favourites are still there for a re-listen if you want. The work we do here at Ladies simply wouldn't be possible without the women who step up time and again to share their deepest, sexiest, most personal stories with us. So I want to say thank you to everyone who has talked to us for the podcast. Big thanks to Jess for making me feel so welcome at her swingers club.
6: We have a gangbang night. It's called the Three Cs. So it's cock, cock, cock. For everyone female, you've got three guys.
1: And to Mel, who shared the delightful story of her sexual reawakening. All of a sudden, I'm on the phone to my girlfriends being like, I get it now. This is what you've been doing for all these years? Mad claps to Nikki Britton for saying what we're kind of all thinking. I'm saying, um, use your penis possibly like... Well, like a
2: COVID swab, like a nasal swab. I mean, you go around the edges, spin it around a
1: bit, make really mix it up. Have you got all of the possible particles? Thank you to Dr. Yumiko Kadota for using her analytical brain and medical expertise to help us understand her own experience with burnout. On the Monday when I was meant to return to work, I just couldn't get myself out of bed. I just couldn't do it. And to Ange for showing us the space within an age gap relationship.
3: We decided every three days we would have sex. Um, we'd have it more if we wanted to, but that we would have the three-day rule. Our life together is certainly richer. And I think our age differences has helped help make our life richer too.
1: And of course, thank you to you for listening, for emailing, DMing and phoning with feedback. We really love hearing from you. Now, ladies, we need you to tell us what you want to talk about in the next season of Ladies, We Need to Talk. Send us an email, ladies at abc.net.au. Leave us a voicemail on 1300 641 22 And don't forget to leave your name and number so we can call you back for a chat if you want. See you soon.